Legislative Review on Prairie Public. I'm Dave Thompson. Thanks for joining us. Our guest this week is a freshman senator from Fargo. He's a Democrat, Ryan Braunberger. Senator, thank you for being here. Thank you. It's very uh, good to be here. I wanted to ask you, as a freshman, what's been your impression of the session so far? Uh, chaotic is a, big, <laughs> is a big one, but it's been really good. Actually, um, uh, I think there's a lot more com um, camaraderie between this between all of us and we're a small small caucus so we talk a lot and fun and that sort of thing but it's been it's been a good it's been a good experience and definitely one I enjoy and want to be back for so what are the big issues that you're focusing on I think I'm, my main focus is a lot on the social issues especially like child care your LGBTQ rights um, helping families the low-income families are probably my biggest issues that I want want to address the most so and you've got judiciary committee a lot of those are there yes and some in state and local government the other committee you have yeah yes they're both there so they're both very busy uh, my judiciary I, I call my intense committee where it's a very high emotion where my state and local is not as emotional as as some of that so well I'm I'm kind of curious you have four members in your Democratic caucus yes in the Senate how is that working out for you uh, it's it's been very interesting. Uh, it's it's pushed me into a leadership role because I am the caucus chair for the Dem M for the Senate, uh, and it's it's been a learning experience. Kids keeping on top of everything. Uh, I've been trying to make sure that we can get get access to all the bills and all the committees because we can only since we're only four we can only be on four of the committees. So we have four committees that we're not even we don't even have representation on. But we've been really good at getting some support from our uh, people outside our citizens that has helped support us to help guide us and some of that too. I noticed a few a few people I recognized who are coming into the Capitol and they said to me, I'm going to be observing a committee for the Democratic Caucus. Yep. Yeah, we have, um, I think we have probably about a half a dozen people that actually observe our four committees that we don't have access to and they report to us on what's going on and just either remotely or in person and just kind of tell us what they think of different bills and making sure that we understand what is going on before they hit the floor so we know which way if we like the bill or don't like the bill or and why. You know when the session started one of the main themes was workforce. Mm -hmm. Workforce development attracting workforce to North Dakota. From your perspective is that how is that uh, being accomplished now? It's tough. Um, I think we are we are working towards that, and I think a lot of things that I think we would like to accomplish to make sure that we can attract workforce, like childcare, uh, ensuring um, that people have the access to it and it's affordable, uh, making sure that we're helping support families, and then making sure that we're writing policies that will attract a diverse population. Unfortunately, the sentence has been very challenging, and I think some of the things that have happened recently uh, are going to negatively impact our workforce recruitment, uh, especially uh, for that. So some of the things are some of the social issue bills? I think, yeah, definitely the social issue bill bills, because I think there's, we want to attract a diverse group of people and with diverse thought. And I feel like the direction that we're going in the legislature is they don't want that diverse thought. And that really frightens me and scares and disappoints me because I think the only way a culture can grow is with diversity of thought. And if we don't want that diversity of thought, and uh, if we don't attract that, then we're going to just kind of re become stagnant 
and not be able to grow. I have a fear that some of this legislation is going to reverse, start reversing our population because we've been just started within the last decade of really growing our population and retaining our youth in our universities and stuff like that. And I feel like the bills that we have passed so far are going to start reversing them. Uh, you're talking about some of the LGBTQ bills that are yeah. out there. I, ass I assume the, the idea of restricting access to books might be another issue. I agree. Definitely agree. I think even though the bills that have passed for the restriction of books are definitely better than they were when they were first presented, uh, they still, I think, are going to limit some of the access to the teenagers in sex education aspect of it. Uh, I come from a background where I used to work with a lot of a, uh, HIV prevention. And seeing the numbers of STDs increase across the state, and especially even the younger generation is starting, the HIV infections are increasing in that, genera in that generation at a faster rate than the older generation. And it's really kind of scary. And if we don't have access to the information on how to prevent that, and if we can't teach the youth of that, I'm scared of where, I'm worried where that's going to end up and if we're going to end up back in and out deeper in the HIV epidemic than we were when it first came out in the 80s. It is interesting that you're bringing up that STD cases are increasing among the younger folks. Mm -hmm. I find that very interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. I think a lot of that has to do with we're turning to more, be more conservative about that aspect of life. I, I wanted to ask you about child care because that was, that's a whole big part about workforce development is having adequate child care, having child care available if you need mm -hmm. it so you know, in times both parents can work. Uh, the governor has been pushing it and the governor in an interview with us said that he's a little disappointed that it hasn't moved faster. I definitely agree. I definitely agree and I think some of the issues was is that the governor wanted all this all this money into it, but he didn't really have any any policies. So I think that's part of the issue. The Dem us in the Dem, Dem MPL pushed a lot of policies forward, like I had the stabilization grants. Uh, Senator Hogan had um, increased for try to do for background checks and increase money in like TANF and those other aspects of to help support those families. And unfortunately, a lot of those bills have since failed. However, we are still working on some in appropriations and getting them into the health and human services realm budgets to bring some of that back. So we're working through that. Yeah, the analogy that was, uh, has been around for a while is that you're entering the fourth quarter now and maybe substitutes can, and substitute legislation can be put into bills now. Yes, yeah, that's correct. And that's kind of the idea of what we're trying to do is when we get into that quarter and those conference committees so that we can introduce some of that legislation that has previously failed put forward. So those are the big things that you could do to help to attract people to North Dakota. Correct. Are there anything, uh, any other ideas that you would have or that you're supporting? Um, I think just it's one of the biggest things that's a hard, if we could change the weather, it would be a lot different, uh, but we can't. I think, I think we can attract people here, but I think the problem is that we're having really struggling with attracting people that want to stay here. And we need more, we need to build some sort of way to let them put down roots. And I think some of that can be if we can make sure they feel welcome. 
uh, and especially I know Matt, Senator Mathern was push, was introduced legislation on an immigration office. I think that is great, and I think that'll help bring help bring communities together. I know the hospitals in my area are bringing a lot of people people from out of the country. I think one of the things we hear the most about is that when they get here, they don't feel like there's a sense of community. So we need to bridge that and make sure that we can create sense of the community even in these rural areas so that they feel welcome, so they feel like they can bring their either bring their families with them or they can start families and put down roots. But the legislature can only do so much right. in that. A lot of that's got to be mindset change. Correct. That is very much so, and I don't know how we can do that. That is, that is a mystery. I think we try to legislate mind change uh, in some of our policies, but you can't change that in, unless there's some people that are willing to actually right. act on it. They have to want to change. Correct. Basically. Yeah. Well, let me ask you about one aspect you talked about, about attracting people and keeping people. There's a huge debate, as you well know, going on about retirement for state employees. Yes. And there is a, I mean, there are two different camps. Keep the defined benefit, which they have right now, or end the defined benefit and get everybody on defined contribution. Where do you come down? I've definitely forged keeping the defined benefit. And the one, the, one of the main reasons I am is that the defined benefit helps the lower to middle income individuals the most because they are the ones that can't afford to contribute their own funds into it and continue to grow that. The big argument about the defined contribution plan is that it's portable. It can move people around and stuff like that. Yes, and they, they're saying that the youth want that. But I think the youth only are choosing that because they are leaving their employers because they don't like their employers. I don't think, really think they're leaving because they, they always want to have a new career. I think they just don't like who they're working for. So I think the defined, I'm kind of going on a little bit of tangent, but the defined benefit plan is going to be a tool that we can keep those workers on because they're going to have a guaranteed income and in retirement where the defined contribution is can be very volatile. And even if you look at statistics in history since uh, since um, pension plans have been decreasing in the private sector, the amount of wealth in retirement has decreased equally as well. So you, because people can't necessarily afford to go into a 401k or put excess money into that. So I think it's important as as stewards of the government that we need to support our employees. And I think defined benefit is the portion to do that. So you would be more in favor of Senator Cleary's plan, yes. which would offer employees a choice, mm -hmm. defined benefit, defined contribution, whatever they wanted to do. Correct. That is correct. Uh, another thing that's, that's being talked about is tax cuts, of course, and tax plans. And Governor Burgum, again, has basically put his line in the sand saying, He's to do tax, income tax cuts, and he wants a path to zero income tax. Mm -hmm. And the bill that's in there right now has a, has a combination of, of property tax breaks and income tax breaks. So I wanted to get your thoughts on that. You know, income tax is not something that we actually really heard about on the campaign trail. When we know our door knock, nobody really worked, talked about that uh, because it, North Dakota is a low income tax state, period. Um, I know some of the some of the reasoning by Governor Burgum is because he wants to be us to compete with tech, with Texas. There's a lot of things that Texas has advantages over North Dakota that I don't think we can actually get to zero zero income tax because of 
we don't have ports of entry that can easily ship products out of seas. We don't can't can't build year round. We can't uh, have crops year round, and they have such a more diversified portfolio than we do that I think us getting to a zero percent tax is is going to end up bankrupting the state one because I think then we're because we're not we don't have enough other resources to compensate for that, uh, and then. I think one of the big impacts that he wants is that he thinks that he believes oil is going to be able to backfill that. Oil is volatile. You can the oil prices go up and down, and we as a body have even put a, uh, put restrictions in place of that when we eliminated when we when the bills passed to eliminate the trigger tax. So now that puts a stop. So they are going to pay the same price no matter what the price of oil is. Where before we could actually boost a little bit. The, of that up to kind of offset that, so. Yeah, we've got shale plays, Permian Basin, and North Dakota, which is the Bakken. Yep. And they are competing. They're competing for workforce. And you mentioned a good thing about Texas because we are a landlocked state in North Dakota. Yep. You know, Texas has has seaports, and you're right on that. But where do you see that maybe shaking out? Uh I have a feeling there probably will be an income tax cut and a property, and we'll shift some things around to, for a property burden uh, on that. Um, and where it lands and how much it is, I will, won't have a flat tax. I think it's still going to be a graduated plan. Uh, and I think we're still going to end up with that. Uh, it's just going to be lower. I think we're going to have a bigger, uh, larger group of the lower income that's going to be increased where they're going to be cut almost out where they don't have to pay taxes at all, income tax at all. Uh, and then we're going to still have like the home ta homestead tax credit. And there's one other one that I can't think of at the moment. But uh, but yeah, we're going to still have some of that. And especially when we're also going to remove some of the property tax burden for schools to the right. state instead of the school districts themselves. Yeah, the mill levy buy-down. Yep. There's, there's a certain amount of mills, and we, we have to talk mills because that's what the statute says, yeah. that a school district has to raise in order to qualify for state aid. Yep. And that's going to be reduced a bit. Yes, that is my knowledge. How mills work, I have no idea. I'm not really familiar with the aspect of that because uh, I'm more of a policy person than an than a appropriator. Well, let, let me ask you about, um, since we're talking about some monetary things, state government pay raises, state mm -hmm. employees, a six and four plan, which is probably one of the more generous plans we've seen in a while. Correct. Yes, and that is seems to be pretty uh, common because obviously yesterday we went through. I think it was yesterday we went through a lot of the um, agency bills, and a lot of all, most of those bills all had six and four in it, and I think is great. I think we should be doing more uh, just because of inflation, and we're still at the bottom for employees in the country. Um, but I like where we're at with six and four as a good start, at least. Well, I did hear some people in the in the higher education realm who said they're they're thinking that this is not enough to cover inflation, and they would like to see an eight and eight, but they're very happy with six and four right now. Right. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I 100% agree. Like I said, I would like to see more, but I don't think it's going to be something that we can negotiate at this point. So, well, you're in you're in Fargo, mm -hmm. and Fargo is going to be getting a. Center for Technical Education, you know, one of the career yep. academies. And money is now in the pipeline to get that career academy built. What, what are you hearing from your constituents on that? 
Um, I, I think they're for it, definitely. Uh, my area at Fargo is is kind of interesting because we're mostly apartments and we're very transient and we're mostly uh, a lot of immigrants. So I don't necessarily hear a lot about that. Some of my other ones that do work, uh, I do have a fair amount of faculty for ND NDSU in my area and I, they're definitely supportive of those programs and I think it's important to do that. Um, yeah, I think that's not, not a lot, but that's basically it. So again, that's, that's another workforce type thing. Yep, so, correct. So. I, switching gears a bit, since you mentioned NDSU, there's that agriculture hall that they want to rebuild. And this, this has been up for a couple times, but now they think they've got momentum to get it built. I think it's called Waldron Hall. Yes, right? I believe so. You're yeah. correct. And that is where most of the ag experimentation and research takes place. Yeah, I, from my understanding, um, I'm not, I don't have a lot of knowledge into it, but I do think there is some momentum to ensure funding for that. Um, it really depends on how everything shakes out and where we have to start cutting based on everything else. It's, it's a struggle when you have lots of money, everybody wants money, so you have to balance that. Yeah, and there, at one point they were underwater a billion dollars, but in the 80s, you'd say that, oh my gosh, how are we going to make that up? But the state has cash, so they'll mm -hmm. be able to make that up maybe with, you know, more targeted reductions. Yeah, I think that's what's going to happen is that I think we're going to end up having to figure out where we're going to make those deductions at. Um, I, I think we're going to, based on what we have and what, what's in there, we are currently underwater a little bit. I don't think, I think the most recent one is more like 200 million or 300 million now. But uh, we're still not done yet, so there'll still be some negotiations. So, it's, so they've cut it down to about $200 million. I believe, if I remember, if I read everything correctly today on the budget summary. Okay. Well, compared to where we were, that's chump change. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, and I think we want to have a, a little bit of surplus. Uh, so we still have probably, I'm thinking we still have probably about a half a million dollars to go yet. Okay, so I'm hearing from the appropriators that there's a target of $400,000 for a and ending fund balance to carry Correct. over the next biennium. That's what I'm hearing as well. So that's, that's uh, where they're working towards. Um, I wanted to ask you just a general question about higher education. Okay. Uh, you see uh, that there was a real push to use some money from the legacy fund earnings for research. And uh, I don't know where that is. I'm, I'm not exactly sure. Have you heard anything about money for research? I have not. Actually, I'm not sure I've heard that in my aspect of it, that part of it. Are there any specific things that you're tracking right now that you're really keeping your eye on in terms of issues or bills? As a freshman, it's really hard to try to focus that. Uh, I probably don't do the best job, honestly, on making sure I'm focusing on things. I kind of go by day to, uh, more of a day-to-day -day type of thing, just trying to get my feet wet. It is like push getting a hit by a fire hose to try to figure out where things are at. Uh, luckily, I have a great caucus that helps guide me through that I, uh, and helps me understand where those things are. Um, I'm trying to think. A lot of the stuff, I think, workforce is obviously a big issue, making sure we can attract the workforce and making sure that we can get the child care through and pushing that through. And I've been kind of monitoring uh, the allocation of those funds and through appropriations on getting those into our different budgets. To it's have a typical legislative session. People come in with good ideas like that. 
But as the session wears on, you see things start to move around like chess pieces. Correct. Almost. And it's very fast, and it is very, and especially it's getting faster now um, on that. And yeah, I wish I had a better answer for that question. But well, what's the hardest thing you've had to learn about this process? Um, knowing where things are at. <laughs> uh, just knowing when when a bill is up, tracking it, I think knowing that, and just kind of getting organized. I think I'm finally starting to get organized a little bit, where I wasn't quite at the beginning knowing what bills I should be tracking, how to track them, where to find them, and that sort of thing. But you're in your first session, so yes. yeah, there, there is a learning curve. Very much so. Uh, anything really surprise you? Uh, I just the I think the pace is really tough, and I think uh, there are, there's often times when we have bills that come up where I think we should have more time to discuss them, and we maybe even make some hasty decisions that hopefully will get flushed out if the, this session. But I feel like there's several there's we're going to end up having to correct some things that we did next session um, just because of the pace, and we don't get to fully vet it. Because uh, I think we do our best to try to make sure we factor in unintended consequences, or at least I do. Um, but I think it's very hard at the pace to try to figure that out. And sometimes the, once the law goes in effect, we're like, oh, this is an unintended consequence, so we need to correct it later. How many bills are you signed on to? Uh, oh, sign, I have two that I prime sponsored. I think I'm co-sponsored on maybe another eight or nine. So, What were the bills that you were the main sponsor? Uh, I was the main sponsor on the 2301, which was the um, the stabilization grants. Okay. That was my main sponsor. And then I had another one, which was a, a constituent wanted me to do, was add um, uh, the day after Thanksgiving as a holiday and one other, oh, Juneteenth as an actual holiday holiday. So so the Juneteenth bill. Uh, it didn't even make it, it out of committee. Okay. <laughs> well, it made it out of committee. It made it out of committee because you have to vote on yeah, the bill. So. But, yeah, it didn't make it very far. There was a fiscal note to it, and I think people were struggling with the fiscal note and because you have to pay your employees for those days off in the state. So I think that was probably the biggest downfall on it. Um, it was something that I was really thinking would be nice for not for uh, employees that aren't necessarily um, state employees, but like even like in the political subs for your school districts that aren't aren't teachers. They're the ones that do the frontline stuff, like your cooks and your janitors, because a lot of those holidays you already kind of have off already, or at least it's a day off. Day after Thanksgiving is usually during a break anyway, for especially in the school districts, and but. The janitorial staff still has to go. Usually, has to go in on those days anyway because that's not considered that. And that was one of the things I was just trying to make sure to level the playing field, making sure it was fair for all of our state employees. Now, there are a lot of people who would say that the day after Thanksgiving is kind of a a nothing day because right. people often take that day as vacation yes. anyway. So. Yeah, yeah, and often do. And and even it, and if you work in a school district. You're not going to have just Thanksgiving Day off and then have the kids come back the next day anyway, so you're usually going to have both days off anyway. If you had your druthers, is there something from the legacy fund you'd like to see invested in? Um, oh, that's a good one. I don't know if I really, really do. I, I mean, I guess in a perfect world, I would love to make sure that we have 
um, child care for everybody. Uh, I think that would be a big one. And then I wish we could do something with ensuring equitable wages for everybody. Um, I know we have tried to raise the minimum wage over and over again. There was um, my colleagues on the House side have tried to do that. And I mean, that's not really a legacy fund, but I think just bringing, trying to make sure that there was equitable for everybody. Um, I'm lucky to be in a not in a heavily poverty area of Fargo, but I see areas where people are struggling just to make uh, decisions on food and prescriptions and housing. And I would love if if I could use legacy funds to solve that crisis. It would be it would be amazing. Of course, North Dakota has a number of funds. There's general fund, and then what they call the SIF fund, which yep. a lot of people refer to as general fund too. And then you've got the streams coming off legacy fund earnings. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I've heard, and I just want your quick reaction to this, is that when we passed the legacy fund as a, as a citizen's initiative, we didn't put any, any uh, parameters on it, what the money is supposed to be used for. That is my understanding too. And I think we just made sure that it could only, we could only spend the profits or the interest and earnings on that, um, which, I think gives us some flexibility because I think it allows us to be able to do different things than we need to. Um, however, we have to be very careful because we don't want to spend all of it because we want to be able to have a backstop if we need to. And I think it's very important to us because we're always going to have a recession and there's always going to be a new recession. There's always going to be great times. There's always going to be bad times because that's just the cyclicalness of the world. Okay, I ask everybody this question. How many days are you going to save at the end of the session? Are you going to go all the way to 80? I don't think we'll go to all the way to 80. With our, I think our goal is to save eight. Um, with as slow as we were at the beginning of the week, I was thinking it might be hard for us to save eight. But I think if, since we've sped up and some of that, I think we will probably, I think we'll probably save around eight or ten. Well, Senator Braunberger, thank you very much for your time. You're welcome. Thank you. Our guest. Fargo Democratic Senator Ryan Braunberger. For Prairie Public and for Legislative Review, I'm Dave Thompson. Thank you for listening and watching.